You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Time for the 49ers Rush Podcast. And here's your host, John Chapman. What is going on, Faithful? It is, man, today is just a good day. And if it wasn't already a good day, I got this stud with me. Vish, <laughs> how are you, man? I'm good, John. How are you? Dude, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's March Madness that's got me like excited. I don't know if it's draft season. I don't know if it's the fact that Texas is still playing meaningful basketball. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'm feeling it, man. I'm telling you, I'm on cloud nine today for some crazy reason. So excited to talk with you. And I just got to let you know, I didn't tell Vish any of these things. I, I don't like to tell people what we're going to talk about because I want like authentic, like I want to learn <laughs> and I want like the honest answers. So you're going to be our GM today. Okay. I'm going to be throwing a lot of questions your way. But before okay. we get to that, the title of this show is where do the 49ers fit in the NFC? We've gone through kind of the first major round of free agency, and I want to know, like, honestly, power rankings, whatever, did they improve? Did they get worse in light of the competition that's at the top of the NFC, in your opinion? I think that's a hard question because so much of improvement and whether they didn't improve is – not like we don't know the answer to that question and it's not necessarily because like hey they did they did or didn't make these moves it's because there's a few guys that are young guys that they're going to give the opportunity to play as they did last year and as they did in 2021 and we just don't know how good or bad those guys are yet and i i see immediately a lot of people say when they lose a starter right like oh this guy is not a worthy backup or this guy is not good and and the reality of the situation is we just don't know we just don't know. We don't have a really good answer on those type of things. I do think when you sign a player of Javon Hargrave's caliber and the fact that 
you know, he fit a need. Like coming into this offseason, to me, their biggest need was pretty much size in term in their defensive line. I thought they needed some more size and physicality. And Javon Hargrave is, not only brings that, but he brings, you know, outstanding interior rush ability combined with, I, I continue to say, it, John, the most underrated thing about Javon Hargrave is his fitness. The athlete is in incredible shape. The amount of snaps he plays for a 305-pound man is insane. He's a three-down player through and through, and he plays every single week, week in and week out. He's been doing it since he was in Pittsburgh. And so when you get a player of that caliber, you got to think like, yes, they got better. But I, I would say that the grade is pretty much incomplete at this point because mm -hmm. we'll find out if they're better or worse based on, you know, who really, really does well this upcoming season. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite things, well, mate, I've gone through several of his game tapes already, and mm -hmm. a couple just things I continue to find. One, a little bit slow starting, uh, three games in on the first and second series, and he mm -hmm. just, after that, it's just, it just keeps yeah. going. And he's making hustle plays. I think I was doing week 17 versus the Saints, and he's chasing down screens outside the numbers on back-to-back -back plays, yeah. like full speed. So, like, you talk about, he's 30. <laughs> like yeah. he's older, but don't tell him that because the hustle, he wins with leverage and power and athleticism, but man, you don't coach. You can't coach effort and hustle. And this guy's just got it in spades, which I'm excited about. Now sticking with this Hargrave thing. We saw a lot of defensive ends walk Samson, Charles, Menehue, Jordan Willis. They're gone. And if you add up their contracts, it's almost equivalent to what Hargrave got. In your opinion, okay, again, you're GM today. The 49ers made the choice, Hargrave over those three. Do you agree with that sentiment, or do you think that maybe, man, is, is a replacement-level player like a Cleveland Farrell going to make up for that other edge spot, or did they kind of focus too much, re too many resources in that one defensive tackle spot for Hargrave? So I think it actually kind of evens out when we're talking about the contracts, right? Um, it, it does even out between like the Furl and Hargrave versus having those three guys. Now, I do think the grade is a little bit incomplete once again, because we don't know about Drake Jackson, right? If it, if, if it turns out Drake Jackson, who we know is a very, very high level athlete, but we're not sure how good of a football player he is yet. If it turns out that he is this excellent football player, then I'm sorry, but Samson Ebukam really, really doesn't matter because, mm. you know, I, I've been saying that to me, Cleveland Furrow is, is, was signed to be a two-down player. He was signed to be Paris Harrelson on first and second down so Drake Jackson can be Alden Smith on third down. And I, I think that's why he was signed. I, like, I, to be 100% honest, watching I don't know about Austin Bryan as much. I haven't watched him, but watching Cleveland Furrow after the 49ers signed him, I was shocked that the guy was a top-five pick to begin with. He's really, really stiff as an athlete. He's not extremely yeah. explosive. He doesn't really bend. Like, there's no elite traits that look like, hey, that was a top five guy picked as an edge rusher. Like, to me, physically, Omenahue and Arden Key, the two guys that played this inside-outside role because he played three technique last year quite a bit for the Raiders at times, like, he's not on their level as a football player, as an athlete. Now, we do think he can get, like, 20 30% better, right, when you add in the coaching of Chris Kasarek and you add in playing next to Bosa, Hargrave, whatever. But ultimately to me, you're not going to get a lot out of him as a pass rusher. And to go back to the question you asked, it, it all hinges on Drake Jackson. If mm -hmm. Drake Jackson is, you know, a player that he doesn't even need to take a massive leap, John, he just has to be a player that they can have him win one-on-one -on -one sometimes. 
Sometimes right. you get pressure on the quarterback. Sometimes you can make one or two just plays. If he can be that, John, then I'm sorry. It's not to disrespect those guys, but Samson, who Charles Amenahue, who that's what it really becomes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, I mean, it seems like everybody flourishes in this system, which is awesome. The Niners, man, Kyle Shanahan and Chris Kucerich just get quarterbacks and D linemen paid. Like, right. and I love it. I love seeing people get paid. The fact that Nick Mullen still has a contract, he's a number two out there. Uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Like, I love to see people get paid. Now, sticking with this theme, okay, going back to this NFC conversation, if we just look at the NFC West, it seems like the Rams and the Cardinals are just kind of melanin in, starting this kind of selective rebuild. I think the Cardinals are just blowing it up completely, which is probably a good call for them. Right. But when we look at Seattle, it seems like this is pretty much a two-horse race in the NFC, and it's probably going to be for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, when was the last time the NFC West was this bad, this poor? I feel like it's just very top hit. Yeah, 2010. Ah, it's weird looking back at it because it was one of the – it used to be the best conference, you know, or the division in the NFL. Man, now I think NFC East? Ugh. AFC East? Like, those were – two top-heavy dominant conferences forever, and now they've got a lot of depth. So if you – and again, this is going to be stupid, but as far as power rankings in the NFC West goes, like do you think there's going to be any show-up whatsoever from the Rams or the Cardinals to be even remotely uh, close to 500? Uh, So the Rams are very, very interesting, right? Because if you can tell me Cup is coming back healthy, Stafford is going to be relatively healthy. I mean, when Stafford – I don't know what last year was, but when healthy in the last, you know, 10 years, Matthew Stafford has been a top 10 quarterback. So mm-hmm. if you're saying in a weak NFC, he's healthy. McVay is still a very, very great coach. Their defense will be good if they have Aaron Donald playing 17 games. That's just how sometimes things work. I, I don't think they would necessarily be a threat to the 49ers. We've seen the best of the Rams and somehow the 49ers have always just owned that matchup because their physicality and their strength gives the Rams who are a smaller and faster team, a lot of issues. But I, I do think the Rams could be somewhere in the playoff conversation. But again, I just asked seven questions that need to be answered before yeah. I had to say that Arizona. I, I don't know what their direction is. I mean, to me, the Arizona path the last two years is, hey, Kyler Murray makes a lot of plays. Now it's Kyler Murray's injured. Kyler Murray's making a lot of money and everybody doesn't like Kyler Murray. So like they're I don't know what the direction of their franchise is. I don't know what direction Gannon is going to bring They're They haven't drafted well under Steve Kime. I mean, Steve Kime is literally living off of two horrible trades by the other team when he was handed Chandler Jones and he was handed um, DeAndre Hopkins. Besides that, like what who have they drafted? Buda Baker is the only player I can think other than Kyler Murray that they've drafted as like a Pro Bowlish player. So again, I don't know. Um to me, Arizona's just a mess. Like to me, Arizona yeah. could be the worst team in football next year with um Kyler Murray out. And then so it leaves Seattle and the 49ers. And Seattle just feels like unless they can match the talent discrepancy or bring it even closer. I I just had this feeling about the NFC, John, is the 49ers are a very, very good team. The only thing they can really beat them is a great quarterback, right? Like, if you're a really good quarterback on a good team, it's tough to beat the 49ers. Like, Dallas had a good team. Dak is a good quarterback. They're not beating the 49ers with Dallas, that team and Dak, you know? Same thing with Geno and the Seahawks. 
you have to be Mahomes and have a good team to beat this 49ers team or Burrow and have a good team to beat this 49ers team. And so because the conference is and the NFC West is the way it is, like in a lot of ways, if you look at the 49ers schedule, you look at how defensive fall, defenses fall off over time, John, uh, I'll give you a stat, right? In the last 20 years, only three different three teams have had top five defenses in terms of yards for four straight years. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers did it from 02 to 05, right? They won the Super Bowl in 02 and they did it from 02 to 05. Seattle did it from 12 to 16 with three of those years having the number one defense in football. And then the 49ers just did it from 19 to 23 or 22. So insane sustenance, right? But what's, what is, you know, history told us in the NFL, you know, defense is usually attrition playing this many games over time. They played 40 games in the last two years, aging players. Like you would think that, all these things would say that they would fall down. Now, the difference between the 49ers and Tampa Bay is that their defensive stars are still young. By 2006, Warren Sapp was old, Derek Brooks was old, and they were kind of done. And John John Lynch went to Denver. And then with Seattle, they obviously paid their quarterback. So they shifted the entire identity of the team. The Niners have not paid their quarterback during this time. So they keep putting talent into this defense, right? But, you know, history would tell us that this team would you know, this would be a year to pick them to fall off. I, I just gave you a couple examples of why their defense <laughs> should fall off. But, John, look at the conference. Look at the division. Who are you going to pick if you're not going to pick the 49ers? Yeah, especially after beating Seattle three times last year. I mean, that's – and all of them were pretty handily right. won games. Um, but – so, like, let's stick with that theme because – you know, we're talking 49ers defense. You've had very similar kind of progression going from Sala to D'Amico. Right. Which Sala was part of that Seattle defense you just referenced. But now you're going Steve Wilkes. And so it's a little bit, it's an outside hire. It's not a little bit. It is. You're going from linebacker focused to linebacker focused mm -hmm. to now DB focused. Uh-huh. Is there are there any tendencies or things that you expect to see different with this 49ers defense with Wilkes stepping in? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's 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 tough to say. It's tough to say because in in a lot of ways, I think the defense is going to be philosophically exactly the same. A lot of first down, second down calls are going to be the exact same, right? They're going to fit the run pretty similarly. They're going to play three deep. They're going to play quarters. Third down, maybe he brings a little bit more pressure. I I I think a lot of people look at coordinators' history and say, well, this is how they're going to be. But it, oftentimes, it's based on their personnel, right? right? So you can say Steve Wilkes is going to bring more pressure, but if he's got Josh Norman playing corner for him by week four, <laughs> he's not going to be able to bring pressure. That's that's just how things work. And so I I think it's going to be dependent on the personnel. But I think all things being equal, you're going to see a little bit more pressure, right? Hufunga blitzes more nickel blitzes. That's what I would think. That that's what I want to see. Like whenever I saw this hire, which I was hoping they were going to get Wilkes, I wanted Fangio, and if not, I wanted Wilkes. Right. And the the thing I've just been screaming is just man, I think that this hire it helps Hufunga more than anybody, just because mm-hmm. you're going to get that DB focused attention from somebody that's been around some of the greats right. at that position. Um, and so I'm excited about that, and I do hope that they do blitz a little more. Um, but Man, if 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 I could excel one position on this team that's not quarterback, it would be the secondary because the D-line's so great. Linebackers are best in the NFL. If the secondary can keep playing, which we saw in the playoffs with Demo, good gosh. Dude just played lights out. Um, so if we could continue to get that type of play, you know, the addition of Isaiah Oliver, do you think that it's going to be giving him the job week one for that nickel position for Isaiah Oliver? Or do you think Samuel Womack might have a shot at competing? Or do you think it's already probably or Diamond or Lenore? Oh, so you think Isaiah outside or Womack outside? Uh, when Emmanuel Mosley first got hurt, it was Diamond or Lenore that played in the slot and Womack did play outside. And now the thing with Womack is everybody looks at his height and says that he's just in nickel corner. But to me, it's not necessarily about height. Playing on the outside is first, first things first, can you run? And Sam Womack isn't slow. Like he, you can line him up on the outside and he's not like, for example, Kwan Williams, he couldn't play on the outside because he's going to get beat vertically every play. Cause he, he can't, if you can't stop the go ball as a corner in the NFL playing outside, you have no chance. Yeah. It's the first thing you have to be able to do. And so he has the speed. I think Shanahan even mentioned it. And then he has that frame that's a little bit different because his arms are so long. Um, So he's a little bit bigger human being than his height. So I, I don't know. Maybe they could see him playing outside. I thought Lenore, you know, took the job because he was more aggressive and he played the run better than uh, Womack. Uh, that became quite clear to me. Now, Lenore could play outside. I, The thing for me, John, is I just haven't watched Isaiah Oliver. So I don't know. Obviously, the Niners do put a decent amount on their nickelback in terms of being part of the fit at times in in, in the run game, right? They match 11 personnel with nickel a lot. And so is he going to be able to do that? Because Jimmy Ward and Kwan Williams did it at a very, very high level. I don't know. I know Diamador Lenore can do it because he did do it at the beginning of the year and he did it well. Maybe Isaiah Oliver is that guy. I saw a couple of clips on Twitter where he had a couple of very, very nice plays shooting the gap in the run game, but that's not necessarily indicative 
of being good or bad at it. That's just a couple of really, really good plays. But overall, what I do like, John, that they did this offseason is they added depth. By the way, the other guy, too, Miles Hartsfield, the guy they signed from Carolina, I throw his name in the conversation, too. Like, he played nickel in Carolina. He, I did watch a little bit. He, um, He's a really, really good special teamer, and I'm assuming that's why they brought him in. But he, if you want to talk about a player that plays the run well from nickel, is a very good slot blitzer, all of that. He fits in that mold. The one question with him is man coverage. Yeah, and I do think we could. You know, the 49ers ran the most zone on the back end um, of any team in the NFL last year, last right. few years. And so I, I think – we probably will shift a little bit more to man. Uh, so that's something to watch. Uh, I want to say shout out to James, uh, one of the show's producers. He's incredible. He says, hello, faithful watching from the hospital. Hope everything's all right, brother. Uh, you are the best of us. And so just want to say thank you for all the help and support there. Now let's uh-huh. shift to the draft Vish. I'm excited. You're the GM of the 49ers. I want to know your draft philosophy on a couple different questions. Um, right off the bat, 49ers got 11 picks. First pick's number 99. Generic thinking, forget players or specific whatever. Do you want the 49ers to kind of use those 11 picks, or are you wanting them to kind of get aggressive and trade up and maybe make eight or nine selections but focus on more quality-type players? I don't like when they trade up, to be honest with you. (laughs) They don't do it well. They don't do do it well. They traded up for I guess Trey Lance is we don't know. That could be a great trade up. It might not be. We don't know. Uh they traded up for Brandon Ayuk. That worked well, but trading up for Dante Pettis, trading up for Trey Sermon. Didn't they trade up for CJ Bethard? They just don't trade up well. They don't do it well. For whatever reason, it just doesn't work. Um I would love for them to use a lot of those picks. I, I think they have seen that their draft philosophy by getting paying a lot of high 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 level players and then accumulating comp- compensatory picks for their you know mid-tier level players and then replacing them with chief draft options that they coach up to become mid-tier players who will then ultimately get a contract and then they'll replace them again it, it's a great system it's a beautiful system they have it working i think they draft better in the late rounds anyway because you know when you're drafting in the late rounds it becomes less about like Bill Parcells, for example, used to always say in the top 15 picks, you always take the prototype, right? So the guy has to be a physical prototype. Um, he has to, if you say a corner has to be 6'1", 200 pounds, runs 4'3", in your definition, that's what an elite corner is. That's what he has to be. And so when you get to the later rounds, it's a lot less about, hey, this guy has this athletic skill set or whatever, as much as this guy has this thing that fits within my system, right? That's why right. you have the draft differentiations in the grades where John Harbaugh says Fred Warner wasn't even a draftable player for Baltimore, who's, you know, an organization that's very good at drafting and has done it really well for years, whereas the 49ers looked at him as a third-round pick. It just depends on fit and, you know, the, what you're looking for in the positions. And so the Niners do a really, really good job at just identifying specific skill sets they need, and they coach those skill sets really, really well. So that's why they succeed with these late-round players. And so, John, I would love for them to just use as many picks as possible. Just keep bringing in this young talent because they have been killing it. I mean, the last two, three years with the after the third round draft, like they really have been killing it. And that's why this team is able to be sustaining depth while still having all these high paid positions. Right. And so you got to balance those things. out. I like this comment from Oscar. And this is interesting with the 40 hours. He says best available based on need. 
you know, if I put any draft question out there on Twitter, whether it's a poll or whatever, the first three comments are BPA best player available, <laughs> which, which, and I get that. And I buy into that philosophy. The 49ers don't, the 49ers draft for need early, then best player available late. And I think that's a big reason why you said like they've had so much success later. It's because they do draft for need early and that yeah. doesn't usually pan out. So, uh, oh, look at this. We got Nick. What's up? The Godfather's in the house. Um, Nick is the man. He comes to most of our road trips. I don't think he was in Chicago this year, though, so I don't okay, I think okay. missed him. Uh, he says, well, I appreciate the super chat first off. Thank you, friend. He says, what's up, guys? Great to see you both on the show together. Looking forward to hopefully hanging out this season. Would be cool if Vish could make it out so I could beat him. And Vish made it out to back-to-back Chicago years. I did. I did. Are you planning on making a Niners game this year? I think we talked about this briefly last time, but uh, yeah. I, I'm trying to get you on the record as many times as possible so we could hang out for three years in a row. Yeah, no. So maybe, maybe. I, I love coming to the events. I love interacting with the Niners fans. I'm just not a big fan of watching the game in the stadium. <laughs> I don't, I don't like that much. Gosh, man, I love it. I, I'm such like whenever I go on road trips, if I see like a high school football stadium, my wife knows like the conversation for the next five minutes is like, I'm just like, oh, whoa, what's up? What's that press box look like? How many people you got? Like, right. I'm just, I'm a goober, man, whenever it comes to stadiums and getting people together. But, uh, but yeah, we're, we're going to try. I'm going to, we're going to twist his arm. We're going to try to get him out there <laughs> as much as possible. Now, and here's a question that I think is interesting and adds more context to this draft philosophy big papa says if there's a player i believe uh we trade up do we have enough room for 11 spots on this roster here's what's crazy the niners keep so many of their draft picks last year you drafted nine only one guy didn't make the roster um the Tariq, uh it was the corner from penn state uh, with three names. I, I, right, three Castro Fields. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody else made the roster and still on this team. There's 61 players currently signed. Maybe it's at 62 now. You got to get to 90. So, I don't know. You you want to keep those spots. If they draft 11, how many do you think of – for those are seventh rounders, how many do you think are going to actually make the initial 53 or even be put on PUP like what we did last year with Kalia Davis? Yeah, so if they can play, they're making the 53. The vet minimum being $1 million has made teams not want vet minimum players. And so you have this new practice squad rule, right? Like, what did they do with Tevin Coleman? What did they do with Tayshawn Gibson at the beginning of the year? Teams are noticing that you just roster all the young guys at the 53 and you can get guys off the street that you'll probably come in and have them play. Like Michael Dwofor at the end of the season was playing over second round pick Drake Jackson. And he was on the practice squad and Drake Jackson has been on the 53-man roster forever. So they've kind of nailed this philosophy down. So it, it, it really, if the guy is not on the team, that means he is not good pretty much. Like they don't think he has a future or any capability of playing. Because like even Ambry Thomas, who had probably zero chance of seeing the field, right? Janoris Jenkins was playing over him. And Janoris Jenkins was, you know, basically signed off the street and then immediately was playing over him. But he still kept his roster spot just because of nobody wants to pay that $1 million veteran minimum. That's why we're seeing the market dwindle for these 28, 29-year-old, 30-year-old players that are kind of like mid-level because teams are like, why would we pay them when they'll just be available for us to come in and play if we need them for two games? And then we can just have the backup be our rookie guy who's way cheaper and we'll develop him. 
Yeah, I like that. You know, another thing that I keep seeing on Twitter, uh, we're going to have Jason Hurley, the 49ers cap guy, on the show next week. Uh, I think it's going to be Thursday, so stay tuned for that. But I keep seeing the 49ers need 9 million cap space for their for their draft choices, mm-hmm. but that's not correct because it, you only, only the top 51 contracts figure into the salary right. cap. And so right now, anybody making less than 800000 that's a cap exemption. They don't even count. And right. so with all these picks making about a million dollars because they're all late round picks, like you don't need that much money. You're talking maybe $2 million will count against the cap. The rest are going to be, they don't apply to the top 51. So um, I, I don't know. We'll take that. Now, here we go. We're getting into it. I, I will say one, one thing, John, that I would like them to do in this draft. I would love for them to stack picks for 2024. Ooh, they already have 2024. You right, and you get your first round pick back. If you can, you know, draft, you know, maybe trade one of those. I mean, of course, they're compensatory picks. Usually, you're not necessarily going to trade your compensatory picks, but if you could maybe, you know, accumulate a couple more picks for 2024, given you know what they already have, they're going to get all their picks back because they're trade, they're out of trade depth. That I would be, um, very, very happy because one of my predictions is that this is the last year of this iteration of the 49ers. This is the last year that we're going to see the core of Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, Eric Armstead, George Kittle, um, Kyle Juszczyk, these guys that have been, you know, the 49ers best players for the last four years. They've had this great run. I think this roster is going to be reshaped at some point in the next couple of years. A lot of those guys are getting old. I think there's a chance that attrition eventually catches up with a lot of those guys. So I, my guess, John, is that they're going to have to reset this roster in some ways. Now, I, I don't mean all of them are gone. I just like 2014. I don't think that's going to It's happen. not going to be I the think, same. But I do think a couple of those guys will probably be are probably closer to the end than they are to the beginning. And so I would love for them to have more picks, especially if the Trent Williams retirement is impending, because that's something that we just don't know about. And I feel like the fact that he thought about it this offseason makes me think that like that could happen at any time, really. And he has nothing left to prove. He's going to walk in as a first ballot Hall of Famer tomorrow. And so it's really right. Right. It's really just up to him on how much he just really wants to keep playing. And so I would love for them to have, you know, a few extra picks in case that they need to go make a big trade. Right. I mean, look at the tackle market right now. It, look yeah. at the deal Laramie Tunsil just got. In fact, John, with the deal Laramie Tunsil just got, I wouldn't be shocked if Trent Williams wants to fix his contract a little bit up next year. It's going to be interesting. There's no way you can constantly keep all these guys against age and against injuries and against the cap. Like something has to give way. I think you can keep the nucleus, right. but you're again. You look at the top seven players on this team. Somebody's not coming back, probably. Like you yeah. said. So, next year is going to be interesting. Um, now, I, I've, I've remiss. I should have said this earlier. I, I apologize. Everybody go follow Vish. Good gosh. This dude is incredible. Um, if you're not following him on Twitter, you should. He puts out great stuff. Um, at Vish Kumaran, K-U-M-A-R-A-N. I think that's right. I'm dyslexic. Um, and then YouTube, it's at Vish Kumaran 4402. It's in the description of this video or audio whatever you're using go follow this guy he is absolutely incredible smartest person i've ever had on the show i don't even think it's close and to test how intelligent this man is i'm going to give him a trick question this comes from hc would you and how high would you be willing to take a kicker in this year's draft save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, this is a really, really hard question. Probably the hardest question I've ever gotten. Because I don't think I've ever worried about a kicker in any draft. Except looking up Sebastian Janikowski when I was like six or seven years old. And I realized like that a kicker actually went in the first round. Like that blew my mind. Like that did not make sense to five six-year-old Vish so he had to figure out like why that happened and then of course it happened because of Al Davis but um I I don't know yet John because I'm not exactly sure what's going on with Robbie Gold both the Mets have told us different information about Robbie Gold right one said he was gone one said that there's a chance he's coming back (laughs) yeah (laughs) I (laughs) I actually live very very close to the area that uh Robbie Gold lives, funnily enough. Oh. And I do know, weirdly, that Robbie Gold has also said that he wants to be a – he's going to come coach special teams at the local high school at some point. Now, I don't know if when that is or anything. That's just what people say around here. But, you know, that just means that at some point, you know, he's going to have to walk away. He's quite old. He's very accomplished. He's as accomplished as any non-vinitary Justin Tucker, maybe the Anderson kickers. Right there. So, yeah, he's exceptionally accomplished. Um, Well, it's funny you brought up Anderson. We did our 1994 49ers watch party last night, uh and it was against the Saints. And Uh Morton Anderson missed a kick. It was like a (laughs) – it was. I was like, what is – I finally watched a Morton Anderson game from back in the day, and he misses a kick. And it's just like (laughs) how how much we forget, I guess. Uh, Right. Anyway, sorry. But either way, John, here's why I don't want them to use a pick on the kicker. Uh, You know when they drafted – Mitch Wisnowski. A lot of I people do. forget this. They traded down in the fourth round and then drafted Mitch Wisnowski. With the pick they had in the fourth round, you know who was available and still on the board? I don't. He just signed with the Lions for one year, $8 million. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was right there, available. At the time, the 49ers secondary had a lot of question marks. I think that was 2019, right? Going into 2019, really, Tart was the long-term answer at safety. He had been signed. We knew that. Ward, we thought, was the answer at free safety, but he went from free safety to corner. Now they were moving him back to free safety. Um, and then they had Richard Sherman, who was now going to be two years removed from an Achilles. Akella Witherspoon was a talented question mark. And Emmanuel Mosley at that point was an undrafted player recovering from injury. They didn't know about him. And they still didn't take Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And instead, they chose to trade down and take a specialist. Now, Mitch Wisnowski has become a pretty decent punter. He's probably, you know, top 10-ish in the NFL probably 10 to 11, 12-ish, right, somewhere around there. But Chauncey Gardner-Johnson would have made them a lot better football team than Mitch Wisnowski does. So the point for me, ultimately, John, is that as good as these specialists might be, and maybe they're really good, I I frankly do not know whether they're good or bad, and I have no way of telling because, you know, Robert Aguayo, I thought was supposed to be like a really good second round. That's what everyone told me, and he was really, really bad very quick. Um, And so I don't know that, but I, I would hate to see them pick a specialist and miss out on an all pro player as they did with Chauncey Garden Johnson. Dude, I, I I'm with you there, man. Uh it's seventh round. All right, cool. But outside of that, I'm just like, nope, just nope. I, I just don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. It was funny. I was I in agree. Nashville for the draft when they traded to get Mitch. 
And okay. I, you know, I walked up to the stage and I was there as, you know, as fourth round, whatever. And so like I'm I'm videoing the live reaction and they're like, punter, <laughs> Utah, bitch, wish that. And I was just like, I think I said a lot of cuss words. Alcohol may have been involved slightly. <laughs> um, Diego, the man, we got a party with Diego down in Mexico City, which was awesome. He said, got my U.S. visa renewed. I'll try to make it up for another 49ers rush road trip. Dude, that's awesome, man. Diego is a freaking very, very talented photographer. So I'm excited to party with him. That's going to be fun. Now, okay, here we go. Next question. The 49ers have three third rounders, 99, 101, 102. So three out of four. Let's assume they stay there. I need you to give me a percentage on the fact that two of those three picks will be an edge and an offensive tackle. So of those three picks, what are the chances that two of those picks will be an edge and an offensive tackle? Because I think it's got to be pretty close to like 100%. Yeah, I would put it close to 100% too. (laughs) The issue is that I've been bamboozled by their process in the past. I might be thinking edge, you know, um, past edge offensive tackler, offensive lineman, and Kyle Shanahan might be thinking running back. You never running know. Back, running back. Running you never back. know. You never know. <laughs> or receiver, to be honest. You never know. Um, I Yeah, I think that that's what the pick should be. But, John, I wouldn't put it past them for it to be like a receiver. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is the receiver room's packed. You're bringing every single person back. So, like, yes, but Ray Ray McLeod will likely be gone in 2024. And Juwan Jennings, this was the last year of him being a restricted free agent. So he's probably going to walk and get, get a little bit of money. Um, I mean, you saw the contract Alan Lazard got. In terms of talent, I don't know if Juwan Jennings is too far off from Alan Lazard. So there might be a little bit of money coming his way in the offseason. So you got to restock with depth around Debo and Ayuk. And of course yeah. there's Danny Gray still, but yeah, they, they need a, another young player in there for sure. So, okay. Let me ask you this. And you know, this, this is coming out from uh, Josh from 49ers faithful forever. He's all, he helps us with our draft work. Have you started doing some draft work? Do you have any draft crushes that you're just like, man, I really would like the Niners to get this guy. If he's there. I have, but I haven't really been doing it specific to the 49ers. Like I've just been watching the quarterbacks um, so Ooh. far. And then I started watching the corners um recently so if you're asking me for my draft crush uh maybe bryce young if he was six foot one there you six go foot yeah dude could you, or do was, you... go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. sorry yeah. i was gonna say or if you can tell me he's 215 pounds with confidence yeah. could you could you believe trading up and spinning that pick on a 510 quarterback i just can't yeah I, I, he's good he's great i can't buy into that that's just me personally. Yeah, yeah and that's where I, I think the entire process of what they're doing. It's the second weirdest draft process I've ever seen. First was the 49ers when they traded up to three. This is second. But yeah, like first first off, the entire concept of getting to one for leverage, like I kind of get it. But draft picks don't become valuable unless there's a player attached to it. Like to me, you trade up for the player always. I, I've never heard of this trading up so we can get to a pick so we can decide between few players until the 49ers nobody wants and to nobody questioned out. it nobody, nobody questioned it but out, I, I, I've, right i've never heard of that and then let alone like you trade up without having a specific if you have the confidence to get to one you have to be trading up for one player that you think is worthy worthy of the number one overall pick and it's like bryce young like to me his film 100 percent, like no doubt about it but the size is such an outlier john how do you take that's that guy with that size 
like you said, with the number one overall pick. I, I would do it actually if I was sitting at one. Trading up for a five ten quarterback, that's ugh. that's crazy to me. I think it's gonna be CJ Stroud. That's just me. Uh, I think he's so my quarterback too. one, but I, I know the Niners the aren't safest. in this conversation, but yeah, I think he's this probably the safest pick at that spot. But I, I don't know if CJ Stroud is such a talent that I would trade that much to go get him either. Like if I'm picking one or two or three, I I think he's worthy of being picked there. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks I think I've ever seen in college football. But like and up here, he's got everything up here. He's got right, everything. Right, right. But again, Ohio State, a lot of clean pockets. I felt like he rarely stepped up into clean pockets. A lot of open receivers. It's like he's exceptionally good, but do I know do I think like he was Joe Burrow when he was coming out? No. And then like no. Anthony Richardson is probably the most worthy talent of that draft. But are you going to, am I going to bet on 13 starts? I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know either, man. I would take CJ and smile. I, I even like Will Levis much more than other people. I really I like enjoyed Levis his too. tape. Um, and again, the body, like the physical yeah. body. It means know, something. Is, it does. It does. Mark, he says, John, are you going to do the 90-player <laughs> roster individual profiles again? You know it, man. I'm a, I'm a moron, and I got told not to do it because it's too much time. But uh, I Yeah, it's got to be it, the man. biggest grind ever, man. It's just 90 shows. It's just 90 shows, which I think today – let me look at it. We're at episode 808 today. This is episode 808. So you'll be at 1,000. Yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to do it, man. We're, we're going to get there. Okay, now let's – we've talked about the Niners' misses. We talked about their hits. I want to know about your misses. All right. <laughs> Who is a player the 49ers drafted that you were just like convinced was going to be it and did not pan out? So, like, who was one of the guys that you fell in love with? You thought the Niners hit a home run and it just did not go the way you thought it was going to go. Yeah. The easiest one is Ruben Foster. Oh, yeah. Man, those highlights. But oh, I, I highlights. also thought very highly of Javon Kinlaw. I'm still holding out hope on that one, but. I I was I thought the player was I mean did you John the 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 Alabama game in 2019 and the Georgia game in 2019 with Javon Kinlaw unbelievable top five pick in the draft top five top pick five. in the draft yeah and I he's still such a talented football player um Trey Sermon's another one I, I thought Trey Sermon was a great running back I I really did I I still like the talent and I was liking the talent of the player all the way up till. When he got cut, I was still saying he's the most talented back on the team. So I, I have quite a few misses sprinkled in there, but yeah. We all do, man. Jalen Hurd was my biggest. I, I had Jalen Hurd ranked ahead of Debo before the draft on my wide receiver Really? I, okay. did, I was like all in on that cat. And uh, sadly, we had one good preseason game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one Cowboys game. Yeah, the, that Cowboys game was spectacular. And then you, yeah. we, we also had... You know, Peter King saying that he thought that was the offensive rookie of the year when he did his, you know, training, usual training camp visit. That was like awesome. Uh, I, I do think in another world, John, Jalen Hurd could have turned out to be a superstar. I don't know if that one necessarily was just like, hey, they missed on the pick. It just it didn't work out for him. And that's yeah. kind of life sometimes. Yeah, it's a mess, man. Tyler, oh, appreciate the super chat, my friend. He says, I'm going to tell you right now as a Buckeyes fan, CJ is for real. Um, I love it, Tyler. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, I, I believe it's CJ. And I, I think 
you know, in my dynasty super flex, I'm trying to get them. I'm, I'm just going to get it. Here we go. Dante Pettis and Foster. I want to see you guys put in the chat. Who Who is the player that the 49ers drafted you thought was going to be perfect and a stud that just didn't pan out? Um, and if anybody says Trey Lance, I'm going to be mad at you. Uh, you can say <laughs> Trey Lance. It's okay. It's totally cool. All right. So here we go. As those questions come in, and I'm excited about this. We talked about the 49ers redshirting these players. So the question goes to which second year player, sophomore player are you excited about? Because that didn't play a lot. TDP, you got Danny Gray, Kalia Davis, who lit was redshirt 100%. Nick Sakil, Womack, Jason Poe, Q Knight. Is there any of those guys that you're like, you know what? I think they're going to get a chance to kind of show what they can do this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kalia Davis. My man Larry Kruger always says that, like, when he sees Kalia Davis in person, he's so blown away by the size of the human being and how athletic he is. And Larry's seen a lot of big guys in his long <laughs> career covering the 49ers. So when he says that, it, like, to me, that means a lot. Um, I Frankly, I, I personally don't know a lot about Kalia Davis. I'm excited to be able to find out more about Kalia Davis as he plays this year, but just hearing Larry talk about him that way has made me like so excited. Uh, he nailed Brock Purdy. Right. He did nail Brock Purdy. My favorite thing about Kalia Davis is one, he wore a single digit number and he was playing <laughs> linebacker. There's tape on him playing off ball linebacker. And that is just the funniest thing to me uh, with how big he is. Uh, he, he was a fun watch. Um, and so I, I'm excited to see, but here's the crazy thing. I would argue the 49ers have more depth at the defensive tackle position than any other position. Like they're stacked there. Kevin Givens, Kinlaw, Armstead, Hargrave, like throw in Kalia Davis. Like that is a deep, deep room. Ty McGill, they brought back. Right. The fact They've also that never had a healthy def like the defensive tackle room has never lasted the attrition of the season. We Always lost three like the same right. week last year. I, I mean, last year going into last year, think about the names we thought were in that defensive line room. Mo Hurst, San Ridgeway. Yeah. He got hurt pretty quick. Yeah, Mo Hurst was out. Ridgeway got hurt. Armstead got hurt. Like all three of those guys right. got hurt the same week. The same week. And Kinlaw oh. was the only healthy one. Right. Cristiano Tito. I'm sorry. I just saw the chat. He says another name. I, that was a big miss. Oh, Tank Carradine. Yeah, that's another one. I, I actually think in a in parallel universe, Tank Carradine would have been a very, very good player. The story I've heard on Tank Carradine is Vic Fangio said there's no way he's an outside linebacker. There's no way he's a five technique in my defense. Trent Balky still drafted him, made him yeah, put on 20 pounds. They found the out he couldn't make he couldn't play five technique for Vic Fangio. Drops the weight again. He actually played okay for them in 2017. He had some decent uh, years. Yeah, and then he was nah, he was not very good as a Raider. But, yeah, that, that's when I miss. He was better than Bjorn Werner in college. He was better yeah. than Bjorn Werner in college. And Bjorn That Werner was, was such a weird pick yeah. when they drafted him. That I, I was like, what? He was like 27 too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was old. But he was a, he's a workout warrior. Uh, I guarantee you half the people are like, who? Uh, sorry, <laughs> these, these, are, these are fun Florida State guys uh, back right. in the day. Uh, Big Papa says this uh, question. Do you think they're going to be using NASCAR packages with Hargrave and Armstead? Oh, yeah. I don't think that'll be the NASCAR package, though. Yeah, right. That's like, yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't even know my racing analogies, but uh, that's got to be the 
giant bus package, whatever. Right. I like it when they send Kittle on the jet sweep, which they've done like three or four times. It's like a jumbo jet sweep. I like right, that. Right. Some, y'all got to help us NASCAR? out. Yeah, give us a name, uh, chat. Come in, help us out. What is a uh, a bigger NASCAR? <laughs> I don't even know how to frame the question. We need a funny name to go with this whenever they do this. Oh, Taylor Mays. Oh, my gosh, man. Taylor Mays, the safety from USC. God bless uh, Mike Singletary. Gosh, man. Can't win with them. Uh, Physical with an F. Yeah, that's for real. <laughs> okay, we got a question. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, Oscar, um, maybe not. He says, what are the top five positional needs? Let's narrow it down to three. Just off the top of your head, which positions do you think the Niners still need to focus resources on, whether that's cheap free agents or draft picks? Obviously, Edge, I think, would be one. Now, I think they draft a player. The edge class is off the charts in terms of the way they tested at the combine. Everyone says it's a deep class overall, too. Again, I, I, I'm i going off of other people's verdict when saying that. I don't know that personally, but the people who are saying it are usually very right about these types of things. It's like the Daniel Jeremiah's, the experts, the real experts. Love me some Daniel Jeremiah. Right. So um, they say it's a deep edge class, and I did see them work out at the combine, and it was freak show after freak show after freak show. Um, at the edge position at the combine it was it's actually really fun to watch like the combine by the way john has become one of my favorite post super bowl football spectacles by far combine senior bowl so awesome to watch but um yeah i i would say 100 percent they still need you know another player I, I i feel like on the edge i would love for them to get one of these vi- veterans like a justin houston but i don't think they'll do that they, they they just won't um that's just not their history i think safety is a need not as much as an immediate need, but at some point they got to look. Talano Hufunga is the only safety they have drafted um, in the first five rounds. And the other safety they drafted, they drafted as a corner in Carverius <laughs> Moore. I would love yeah. for them to have a developmental safety project or, pro, or player. Um, maybe he plays special teams this year. Maybe he doesn't see the field, but somebody long term that you can groom as a starter next to Hufunga. And then the third one, John, obviously you got to go to the offensive tackle position in the offensive line. Now, I I do think it's a little bit tricky with that spot because who are you realistically going to find in the third round that you're going to really look at and say that's going to that guy is going to contribute year one. So I I would take whoever I think is the most talented player physically at offensive tackle on the board. That's who I would like them to take. But then again, you're not going to find guys with starter caliber physical talent in the third round if you're looking for a right tackle. Those Spencer guys Burfords go in the top do not picks. fall from a tree. Right, that, right. That was lucky. That was very right. lucky. Right. Uh, and he would have never even got that chance if Brunskill didn't get injured. Like, Shanahan's not going with the young buck over a vet unless an injury forces his hand and then they prove it. Uh, right. And like, they still split Joel, time. And they still split time and still might with John Valenciano. Like, yeah, that's a possibility. Right. That's there. true. That is true. Uh, so, oh, look at this. We got an answer. This is absolutely perfect, Tyler. The monster truck package. Are you kidding me? That is absolutely uh, a perfect analogy for the NASCAR. You got the big old monsters in there. Uh, I'm still in that, Tyler. I want to say thank you for your contribution. Uh, to uh, That's that's going to be the thing now. Uh, the monster truck package. When they bring all the big dudes in. Right. Uh, that's going to be fun. And, you know, another name that I said I would never mention again, talking about big busts, uh, okay. AJ Jenkins, man. I just remember... I remember reading that Jerry Rice offered to take him to the hill and train with him, and he said no. What the hell? Like, Jerry Rice wanted to train with this kid. 
and he said no to Jerry. I just don't. Did Debo also say no? Did he? I thought AJ Brown ran the hill with Jerry before the draft, but Debo didn't. Oh, I don't know about the. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's possible. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I, Debo, I Debo the one thing with AJ Jenkins. Now that you bring up the name, I there was an there's another name. I I don't know if I necessarily thought this guy would be really good. I I don't think I necessarily had an opinion that way, but I did want this guy to be really good. Was Lamichael James? Oh yes, man, that was second round pick. Harbaugh yeah. loved that dude. Right, he was one of the worst pros ever. Like I think one he had greatest more college football than players first ever, downs. Though. Yeah, I think he had like four fumbles and like three first downs or something crazy. He, he did score in the NFC Championship game, first touchdown to make it seventeen seven. So love it, man. He was so fun to watch. I just can't believe that dude did pan out. Yeah, um, him and Jeremiah Masoli. Oh, I love, I love it, man. Big Papa said, isn't there a couple past. safeties in our redshirt program? Um, yeah, there's Ty, uh, Taylor Hawkins um, is one of those guys. And Quantrez Knight, who has played, he's played nickel. every spot. He's played nickel, outside, and safety um, in camp last year. So, and he won, you know, one of the practice squad players of the year. I'm a big Q Knight fan, man. I really, really like that kid's tape. And my thing is with, with secondary players, I'm a ball hawk guy. Niners aren't really with their corners. If 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 a corner or a safety has ball skills, I push them up my draft board every single year. So you um, liked Lorenzo James when the Niners had him as an undrafted player? I did. I did. I, I fall in love with all the undrafted players, man. They're my favorites. They're my favorite. My my favorite two players this year were Jordan Mason, which I was huge on, and then um and then Q Knight. Those were the okay. two like okay. that I was like champion as soon as they they got them and i'm still holding out i'm still holding out there um now I, I mean those guys could be you know developmental prospects i'm not ruling out the idea i just don't necessarily know the answer to that question today if they don't draft the safety then john will have her answer on how they view those guys there we go and you know again wh where the 49ers are you got 62 players signed currently you've got 11 draft picks that gets you to 73 well, guess what, guys? You got to get another 17, which is basically a practice squad right there that you got to fill. So there, there's still a considerable amount of – Maybe I hope my math was right there. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting there doing the number uh, Anyway, so that's where we're John, at. So let me this, ask you this. Oh, go I'm ahead. ask you a question. You can ask me anything taking you want. This idea, this awesome. Taking this same idea of the draft, right? Who is a player that, like – you swore the 49ers had to draft him. Like, they needed to draft him. They passed on him. He turned out to be a stud. And whoever the 49ers drafted, so you just – easy. You're upset Creed about. freaking Humphrey. I was set on Trey Lance and Creed Humphrey. And when the 49ers were on the clock in the second round and Creed Humphrey was sitting there, it was him and Asante Samuel Jr. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is stuff dreams are made of. They trade back. <laughs> The next pick is Asante Samuel Jr. And I'm like, Creed Humphrey, the left-handed center. And I hate OU. I hate OU. I hate OU. You're a Texas guy too. So, like, I feel like you're with me there maybe a little bit. Um, but, uh, like, I, I don't know. I love Creed Humphrey. And I just – I really felt like he was going to be amazing. Came in and made all pro his rookie damn year. Like, ugh. A lot of people thought one. he would be a first-round pick. Left-handed center. People don't have right. imagination. Oh, I've never had a left-handed center. It's it's freaking shotgun. Right. Come on, right. man. Ah, right. Anyway. I yeah. Mean, no. Is there, I, I'm trying. What to about think you, of man? I'm trying to think of who's my answer for that. I don't necessarily 
the biggest draft crush I've ever had was Michael Crabtree. The day the 49ers drafted Michael Crabtree, and it wasn't a draft crush because I was 10 years old at the time. Like, I wasn't, like, sitting here, you know, grinding Michael Crabtree film and coming up. <laughs> I, I, He was the coolest player in college football that year. He was awesome. Yeah, he was. I wanted them to draft him so bad. There's, an, I don't think there's – They did, and then they held out. The Super, right. Barring them winning the Super Bowl, I don't know if there would be a – that was one of the happiest moments I had as a Niners fan oh, when they drafted cool. Michael Crabtree. Cause that was like, they never got like when I was, I wanted them to get Reggie Bush so bad. My dad told me that Reggie Bush and Alex Smith played together in high school. I'm pretending to be Alex Smith and Reggie Bush, you know, six year old me in our front yard. I'm Alex Smith. Who's handing it off to Reggie Bush, <laughs> all of that. And they had no chance of drafting Reggie no. Bush, but like that was an example. And that's how Michael Crabtree was for me going into that draft. And the fact that the Raiders took Darius Hayward Bay, I'll never forget it because we weren't we didn't, we weren't able to watch the draft at the time. I threw a big fit about that. My dad was not happy. And then he checked on, you know, his old iPhone 3GS. He's Googling <laughs> the draft. And he showed me that they drafted him. Oh, my God, when they drafted Michael Crabtree. You know who passed on Reggie Bush, who had a chance to get him? Kyle Shanahan. He was on that Houston team. Right. And, and right. Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Casserly was the GM, and he asked all of the position coaches, who should we draft, Reggie Bush or was it Mario Williams? It was Mario it Williams. It was Mario yeah. Williams. And Shanahan said, uh, Mario Williams. And he's sticking with that philosophy still today, uh, which I freaking love. Yeah, I love our coach. I really do like our coaching staff. Um, even though it's changed, uh, the turnover is bananas. But uh, I really do like what the 49ers have going on the field, um, front offices. And they're being poached from everybody, but right. I think it's a testament to Shanahan and Lynch and kind of the culture they're creating. But, Vish, this is going to bring our show to a close. But before we jump out of here, please, uh, where can we catch more of your content? I'm pretty sure everybody already follows you. You are crushing it, man, doing a hell of a job. Uh, where can we catch up? What do you got coming on uh, your schedule? So – I, I don't necessarily ever really plan. And then I get to like a day and I'm like, oh, I got a stream. Let me figure something out. So I'm trying to get a little bit better about that. But as you mentioned earlier in the show, you can find me on Twitter at Vish Kumarin. You can follow me there. Um, sometimes I guess people don't like me as much on Twitter, but <laughs> I, I share, you know, whatever two cents I have sometimes there. And then on YouTube as well, um, you can find me at Vish Kumarin. And so... What's the yeah. 4402? I got to ask. It's got to have. Some Dude, I have no clue. Honestly, I didn't see it until now. And, oh. and I noticed it's in my ad. I, I think it was just randomly added as a tag. I guess there's another Vish Kumar. And so I'm 4402. I guess you can say like it's Kyle Juszczyk plus Jason Ferret. There you go. Plus Jason Ferret. Maybe Jesse Palmer. Maybe oh. Blaine Gabbert. Oh. oh, not Blaine Gabbert. He's like my least favorite 49er ever. So you want to hear something him. funny about Jesse Palmer? <laughs> When I was little, I thought he was just going to be a really good quarterback because he had the aesthetic. He wore the eye black and, like, everything. Like, he had the aesthetic, like, the same aesthetic as, like, a Drew Brees or a Brady. So, I, in my head, I was like, oh, this is how a quarterback looks. So, Jesse Palmer is going to be a really good quarterback. But, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's the look, man. It, you get, you got to go with it. And so, certain people just have it. I remember – so, I grew up in Fort Worth, and I think it was my sophomore or junior year was – LT's like senior year mm -hmm. and he was just unbelievable so we went I hate TCU but I wanted to go see this guy play and he had the blacked out visor right. with you know the purple and I mean he just looked he just looked the part in every single way shape and form and he was incredible um probably one of Dude, the best college football games I ever saw was him against Ole Miss when Eli Manning was the quarterback so uh, Ole Miss won 
but it was like 40. It was ridiculous game. It was incredible. But anyway, dude, speaking of LT, I don't think there was ever a more popular Jersey in elementary school than that powdered blue Ladanian Tomlinson Jersey. Everybody had that powdered blue Ladanian Tomlinson Jersey. Like he was so clean, man. It, it, it was different. He was different. And then he had that, like, like you said, the face mask, only he had that face mask with the black visor. Yeah, he was different. He was different. He's a fun dude, man. Look at Nick right here. Thank you, man. He says, everyone throwing shade on the Lance pick. Don't pretend you weren't happy it was Mac Jones. Gosh, man. Again, talking about trading up for a 5'10 quarterback. Also trading up for such a low ceiling quarterback. Like, that would have drove me crazy. You know, that, you know, that conversation crazy. is funny, though, John, because I, I agree with you in some sense. But I also look at this football team and say that <sighs> if they had picked Mac Jones – Barring injury to Mac Jones, in his first two years, Mac Jones' stats would be exceptional. They would be very impressive. I think he probably throws for 30 touchdowns back-to-back seasons. He's probably throwing for near 4,000 yards in back-to-back seasons on this offense with these weapons. And it'll be hilarious because in that situation, I guarantee you 85% of the Niners fans who you know hate Mac Jones and say he sucks – and it's not that I'm saying Mac Jones is a great quarterback. I'm just saying this situation is that fantastic. And he has the requisite skills to be able to succeed to an extent in this situation. I They would be saying, hey, Mac Jones is, you know, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Mac Jones. Yeah. They would be putting him in that conversation. We'd be saying, well, hey, he's good. He's a good quarterback, which is, you know, what he is right now, you know, a middling starter, but he's not that guy. So I, I think that entire conversation surrounding Mac Jones is, it's crazy. I mean, just because the stats man the stats would have been crazy the stats would have been crazy i don't and know again, if they would have won a super bowl stats would have been crazy it's not like it's an anti-mac thing like if the 49ers would have stayed at 12 and taken mac jones cool that's awesome it makes sense all the way it's it's again what we said about bryce young trading up there's different you even said like if you're at one and you take them that's cool but you trade up to want to take them that's where that's where right. i can't f- trace the logic there right uh, but you are correct. Um, I mean, he's he's put up decent numbers. I think that he's an average level quarterback. I mean, I wouldn't put him ahead of like I wouldn't put him in the top twelve, but that kind of yeah. like thirteen to eighteen range. Him, yeah, you can throw him wherever you want in there. Like he knows how to play. He plays like an he plays like an eight year veteran, like with limited physical skills that's just been around the league a lot. Yeah. But he's he's good. He's good. I, I'm not ready to say they made the wrong pick or anything from no. that standpoint. But I'm Can't just saying yet. that. I do think that if they had picked Mac Jones, it would have looked like the right pick. That's that's all I'm saying statistically. And I think in a lot of ways, it could still look like the right pick with Trey Lance. He just hasn't gotten to play. Eh, that's what it is. We're going to get to see it not soon enough. We still got some time till the season starts. But, Fish, I just want to say thank you for your time, uh, what you do for the community, just kind of who you are. You're like one of the few – like not one of the few people, but you are just a person that just – you are who you are, and the community loves that. So I just want to say thank you, man, uh, for your time. I'm going to beg to get on your show uh, in the next week or so. I Dude. want to, I want this to be a thing where, like, every other week you're on my show or I'm on your show, and we just keep this rolling. Dude, you know we got to do it. Somehow we were talking about doing that after when we did the last show. We're not planners, neither me, one of us. You, right. You text me about coming on this week, and I'm like, oh, crap. I never even – like, I missed the opportunity to get John on. And then I was thinking, like, should I tell John that maybe let's do it on my eh, – no, nah, no, nah, I'll go on with John right now, and then I'll kind of be like, hey, John, when when are you going to come on with me? But, but Next week, man. Next week. Done. 
All right. I love it. Y'all heard him. Y'all heard him. So, Fish, thank you so much. Um, and until next time. Oh, sorry. Any closing thoughts, Fish, before I, I didn't even give you a chance to to say your goodbyes or anything before we jump out of here? No, I, this was awesome. I, I think what I told you last time after we did it, and that was the second time I think we streamed, and it would it might have been a year, year and a half prior to the first time we streamed. And I, I, I remember telling you, like, it was natural. Like, our conversation was so free flowing and easy and i feel the same way today so hats off to everything you do man and i i love chopping it up with you awesome man thank you vish go support this man in the description here until next time stay strong faithful sick of being upsold at gyms my guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.